It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, producing the show. Michael, man, how are you, brother? Man, I am doing well, although I am I am so envious of, of what you get to do every week when you get to go do these games for Fox, these NFL games, and get to be around teams that are just... Like just on fire before our very eyes, or on on the rise before our very eyes. I mean, your your time spent with the 49ers and then watching them go out and play the way that they did last week. I mean, this this team is building something special. Yeah, there's well, there's no question about it. It's amazing when the coaches and the front office are all in sync, and the players, you know, are in sync. The players buy in to what the philosophical approach is and to what they're being coached to do. Um, When you've got complete and total organizational buy-in, it's amazing. It's amazing what you can do, Mike. And, like, I'm not saying that they're not a talented football team because they are an exceptionally talented football team. But, you know, there are still holes within this football team. That's why they went out and and traded for Emmanuel Sanders, you know. I mean, like, I look at the San Francisco 49ers right now. And there's a couple things. Like, let me just take you through this team who's sitting at what seven and zero right now. One of the only undefeated teams. By the way, you know, three of the best teams in football are the undefeated Patriots, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, and the six and two Minnesota Vikings. You know that those are the three teams that play more two back formations than any teams in in football. Throw it back to nineties, nineteen nineties football. You know this new wave of three wides, and we got to throw it every down. The teams that run it the most and the teams that play the most two-back football are the three teams that are as good as any teams in, in, in all the National Football League. Isn't that amazing? Kind of interesting. You, Two love, of the you love going back to the idea that it all starts up front, don't you? In well, a league it, where and in a fan, in fandom out there where everybody is consumed with the quarterback, you're like, nope, still all about what happens up front. It's all about who wins in the trenches. And, and it really – I mean – Think about it. San Francisco's undefeated. Their quarterback has seven, what, no, nine TDs and seven interceptions right now? Something like that? I think that's what it is. Nine TDs, seven interceptions. Yeah, but it's all about the quarterback play, right? It's all about, no. Like, Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant play caller. Kyle Shanahan, um, he doesn't call plays. He calls an offense, and he sets guys up. And think about this. Here's a team that lost a first-rounder, in his 13th year, who's still an outstanding offensive tackle in Joe Staley. I think week two, they lost him. McGlinchey in like week three, they lost him, who is a first-rounder that plays right tackle for them. They lost their swing tackle, who who got hurt in, in the preseason. So they st- have started, last several weeks, they've started their fourth and fifth offensive tackles. Let Get this. These are two guys that weren't going to make the football team. They weren't going to make it in August. And all of a sudden, because of injuries, these guys are on the football team, right? One guy got elevated from practice squad. The other guy made it as a swing tackle because the third swing tackle got hurt. Like, that's where they are right now. Oh, by the way, their receiver position now, they went out and got Emmanuel Sanders. But Richie James and Kendrick Bourne weren't going to make the football team. But they had Jalen Hurd got hurt and, and... Taylor got hurt, and so they made the football team. These are the guys they're playing with, and these are the guys they're 7-0 with. 
because of the way they call an offense. They also lost the best football or the best fullback in all of football. And and one defensive coach from the Carolina Panthers told me he's the best fullback I've ever seen because of his versatility, all the things that he can do in Kyle Juszczyk. And, and so it's interesting to be able to call an offense – and to take some of those deficiencies or some of those weaknesses and hide them with the way you call the offense. So I am talking to a guy pregame that plays for the 49ers, and he said, Kyle Shanahan is the best. We have a Friday meeting. Now get this, a Friday meeting where we sit down as an offense, and Kyle takes us through a game plan and says, hey, listen, this play right here that we're going to run ain't worth a shit. We're going to get two yards on this play. That's about it. Like, if you know, if we have a breakout, it may be four yards, but it's a two-yard play, and it really isn't worth a shit. But listen, this is why I'm running it. Because this play, if I run it a couple times, it's going to set up this play action, and we're going to get a chunk yardage play in the passing game that's going to get us 22. And so just trust me when I call this play. I know I'm calling it, and I know it's not going to be great. And I know it puts you guys in a bad position, but it's going to set this up, you know, four plays later or a quarter later. And he goes, this player I'm talking to goes, you get total and complete buy-in. Every guy on the roster gets buy-in. And then you look at them defensively and what Robert Sala is doing. Keep it simple, stupid. They play probably maybe as much zone or, or close to as much zone coverage as any team in the league. They've got a devastating defensive line where they've got first-rounder that they went out and got in um, – in D Ford, Eric Armstead's a first rounder. Uh, Buckner's a first rounder. Uh, Nick Bosa's a first rounder. Oh, it's delegated. It, it's relegated. Excuse me, not delegated, but relegated. Uh, uh, so, Sam uh, Solomon Thomas, who was the third overall pick in 2017, to a rotational, you know, 20, 25 snaps a game guy. Like they are dominating. They are dominating the the line of scrimmage on defense, and they are they are playing well on the line of scrimmage on offense. A lot of that is because you know they've got good players, but a lot of that is because the way they're coaching that football team. So, like, it, it's fascinating to watch what they're doing, and they're going to get healthy. They're getting their guys back. Uh, Staley will probably be back Thursday night, and um, and then you know McGlinchey's scheduled to come back. I think uh, November eleventh. So. They're getting they're getting their players back and and as is Kyle Uzcheck. So they the team thing, to beat in the NFC in your mind. They are re- they're really solid. I mean, you know, obviously the the Green Bay Packers have a unicorn playing quarterback. Um, so they're going to be a tough team. And, and what they did defensively uh, over the course of the offseason, going out and getting the two Smith guys off the edge, has been really beneficial to them. But uh, I think I think the 49ers have a legitimate chance. They're making a legitimate case to be a championship caliber football team. Mm, boy. And and you know just just a reminder of the different ways that you can, you know, try to go out and build a build a football team that it's not all just about, you know, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. There are right. other ways. You know, the Colts are doing it with their attention to detail on the offensive line. And, you know, here they are, even though they had a flat performance in a, in a win over the Broncos, but, you know, there they are at uh, at 5-2 and two and, and, and still playing well. Trade deadline came and went, and it, it came with a bit of a whimper. Uh, we thought there'd be a lot more, but, you know, what, what, what what's your – 
overall view as a former player about you know where the league is now at when it comes to players being moved around and 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 being granted uh, the the chance to move around. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys who have been able to kind of set the tone. Guys like Jalen Ramsey get like if you're an elite level player, if you're the best at your position and and you're coveted that way. I think that you probably have that opportunity. It's like the college kids that come out early, you know, like the college kids that come out early that are the best at their position. Those guys get drafted high. Those guys have great value, right? And then there's the guys who come out that think that, hey, maybe I could be a first rounder. And then they have the realization of, hey, you know, you you know, it, it didn't really work out for you. Like, for instance, Kyle Allen's playing quarterback for the uh, Carolina Panthers, right? And he's had a pretty good, you know, the San Francisco game notwithstanding, which was kind of an interesting game, and he got beat up quite a, you know, a bit in there. He hadn't thrown an interception all season long. He threw three in that game, I believe. But, um, you know, Kyle Allen was the number one rated quarterback coming out of high school in the nation. I mean, the number one in the nation. And then he bounced around in college. He got beat out and, and a couple of different things. Um, and then he goes to Houston. He plays pretty well at the University of Houston. He comes out early, Mike, and doesn't get drafted. And so, you know, he's a he's a free agent. And he's bounced around. He's been cut a couple of times. He's actually playing pretty good football right now. But, you know, there's, there is – you have to understand kind of where you are in that pecking order – and just because, you know, you stomp your feet doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. I mean, if you're an elite level player, you probably have more leverage and more power than you've ever had in this league. But for everybody else, there's, you know, there's the kind of a sliding scale of justice. And if you're not the best player at your position, you don't have that same type of uh, gravitas when it comes to stomping your feet and, and you know, and, and whining and complaining and getting your way. So you... Uh... You made some headlines, literally have made some headlines. Yeah, I know. With your blunt, candid, but let's be honest, honest uh, criticism of your old teammate, your old friend, uh, John Elway. And and you were on FS1 and you were asked about John Elway and whether or not you believe that Elway can turn around the Broncos. And you said flat out no. And that has gained traction and it has gone viral. And I'm curious... What kind of reaction you're hearing from people? Well, I mean, most people who follow the Broncos, Broncos country in general, said, you know, uh, have basically said, uh, you're right. You know, I mean, we appreciate your honesty. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's that's mostly what I have gotten. I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there. Like, here's one. Um, at the end of the day, Mark Schlereth loves the organization. He sounds... Um, like the most fr- most frustrated fans of Broncos country. We love John Elway, but enough is enough. There's been too many screw-ups over the last four years. Stink is right. And on and on and on, if I follow through my Twitter account, that's pretty much what it says. And, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be controversial. I got asked a question, a pointed question, about do I think John Elway can fix it? And, you know, the whole premise of, of my thought process, it, whether I laid it out there very well or not, because sometimes I get – fairly passionate and a little bit pissed off, you know, um, about kind of where the Broncos are as a franchise. Um, but the, the whole reason, you know, I say no is because your unwillingness to, to at least publicly announce that you guys are not very good. 
You know, we believe we can compete. We believe we can. I, no, you can't. Your your roster is not good enough. And like that's, I think it's frustrating for most Bronco fans to sit there and say, "Why do we have to continue to hear?" You know, we're we're right in this thing. We're we're like you're not, and you're not close. And the fact that you won't admit it, um, and the fact that you make moves that to me are an admission that you think you're close. And I'll give you, for instance, they've got a kid, Drew Locke, who they drafted in the second round, Mike. And Drew Locke was eligible to come off of IR week six. And at week six, you were what, two and four? Going into Indianapolis, is that is that correct? Yep. And you still think that, hey, we're close. We could go on a streak here and win six straight and be right in the playoffs. So let's not take Drew Locke off the IR and start practicing him now because, like, we're really close. And maybe we'll need that 53rd guy on special teams. Or maybe we'll need, you know, uh, Riddick to come off the uh, IR and set the world on fire catching balls out of the backfield. Like, like, come on. Like, you're one roster player away from, from winning games? You're the 53rd guy on your roster away from winning games. Stop it. Like, so let's let's stop the charade. Right? And so, you know, do, and, and I get frustrated when, you know, I see a guy who I think is one of the worst tackles in football continuing to get propped up. And I have talked to multiple guys who have reached out to me on this team talking about their left tackle, Garrett Bowles, and, and how – Everybody on the team is like, if I played that way, I'd be benched or I'd be cut. And yet every week he goes out and gets to play. And so, like, when you talk about credibility within a locker room and you've got a guy who, in the ultimate sport of meritocracy, you have a guy that hasn't earned – what he's earned is being cut. That's what he's earned. He's earned a bus ticket home. That's what he's earned. And yet every week he starts for you and puts your quarterback in peril. And then the same people who are making that decision are telling you and asking you to give all out effort and to believe in the organization and to believe in what we're coaching. Really? Are those two things congruent, Mike? Are they? And, and, and the answer is honestly not even close to being congruent. And, and that's what you're asking your players to put up with right now. So – Okay, you don't think he's the guy to turn the Broncos around. That's your opinion. Mm-hmm. What do you think actually happens? Do, do the Broncos? Does the Broncos organization? Does the Broncos de facto uh, owner, which is a guy by the name of Joe Ellis, who is part of a trust that is currently running the Broncos, do they agree with you? Do they do they make a change or as? Blunt as you are right now and have been, does the status quo remain in Denver? Oh, yeah, I think the status quo remains. I mean, I think there's already enough going on in Denver in, in regards to ownership and everything else that that they're not going to make a change. So, um, you know, based on, I don't know, based on what? Based on fear, based on. You know, whatever the case may be. So I don't. I don't think anything will change. Um, you know, and and so we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to. Uh, to me, there's just a lot of things that have to be. Uh, not even done, Mike. Just 
just like all I'm saying is be realistic. Understand what you are, you know, and, and be honest about what you are. And and so, you know, like I get asked, I um, I want to see the Broncos. Man, I, I want the Broncos to do well. I want the Broncos to win. It's awesome when they win. And you see what they're putting out, the product they're putting out right now, and it's embarrassing. Without a doubt, the most interesting game on the calendar this weekend is Patriots at Ravens. One, to find out, are the Patriots really this dominant? I mean, they're 8-0, but, I mean, it has been just a a lineup of tomato cans that they've been knocking off here. And secondly, are, are the Ravens legit? Uh, how do you see it? New England uh, at Baltimore. Patriots are about a, you know, field goal, field goal and a half favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you look at, at the New England Patriots. Here's what I know about Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is going to say, Lamar Jackson, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us throwing the football. And we don't believe you can do that. You know, I mean, well, I had this conversation on FS1 as well, and it was interesting because, you know, one of the one of the co-hosts was saying, well, yeah, but uh, they don't stop the run well. They gave up 6.6 yards carry to, to Chubb. I said, did they win that game? Yeah, because why? They said, hey, listen, uh, they said, uh, Landry, uh, OBJ, you're not going to beat us. Both of them had like five or six catches apiece and like 50 yards apiece. They're just like, like if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with those guys, your you're, you know, your elite level receivers. We're not letting that happen. We'll let you run it for 6.6 yards of carry. We'll, as a matter of fact, we'll invite you to run it at that level because we don't want to get beat quick. We don't want to we don't want to give up the big plays in the passing game. So to me, the opposite is true in this game. They're going to devise a plan. Now, here's the hard part about devising a plan against the against the uh the Ravens. They are one of one. They're the most unique running game in football. And they do such a good job in what I call a heavy spread of getting number counts on you. So if you split a field in half right down the middle, you know, and six guys are on one side and five guys are on the other side, at the end when that ball is snapped, they are getting seven guys on your five and they have the quarterback running the the, the ball. But they're just unique that way. And they're very good at that and they're very difficult to defend. So because of that quarterback's ability to run the football now, they'll devise a plan, and, and, and the other issue is in today's football, you don't get to practice. Like, this is option football, and it's really hard to figure out your run fits and all those things when you're not in full pads hitting people. So, like, there's a lot of things that stack against the New England Patriots, but the bottom line is I believe this. They'll stack 14 guys in the box if they have to because Bill Belichick will have – he'll he'll know a, um, a rule that it, that nobody's ever exploited before. <laughs> that and, allows you to have 14 guys out there? Right, that allows you to have 14 <laughs> guys on the field. And they're like, oh, shit, we didn't realize we didn't read it. Right? He'll find it. That would drive, Har- that would drive Harbaugh crazy because yeah. Bill's done that before with Harbaugh and it drives him nuts. Right. He always has he, – he always finds some innocuous rule that they're like, shit, we got to change that next offseason, you know? That he exploits, I mean, and, and, and giggles about it afterwards. But. Although, you know what I'll give Harbaugh? You know, you know what I'll give Harbaugh? I, you know, watching the Patriots over their run, part of what helps the Patriots is how coaches 
who are normally pretty intelligent and pretty, you know, got get their crap together, lose their collective minds when they're staring right. across the the other sideline at the hoodie. And you got you got you know, you got uh, McVeigh and and Adam Gase, you know, going up to Belichick before game. Hey, Bill, I think you're really cool. You know that kind of stuff. And but the the two guys that have always struck me over the years that don't kind of fall under Belichick's mojo. Uh-huh. Two guys, Mike Shanahan, your old coach, yeah, and John Harbaugh. Yeah, uh, John. John is John is unique, man. He ain't like he ain't scared. You know, he's not. He's not, ooh, like bow down to the throne of, of Bill Belichick. This team has never played that way. They've always played the Patriots stuff. They're the one team um, the, the one team that, to me, is not fearful. I mean, even like Joe Flacco got a win against the Patriots, I believe. It might have been a playoff win yeah. where he went four for ten. Yeah, should have been two. <laughs> should have got another one yeah. where, where he was the quarterback of a team that uh, the Ravens blew two. Two touchdown leads, fourteen nothing in twenty eight fourteen in a playoff game in Foxborough. Right. So it just it just feels like they're they're not intimidated. They are. I will say this: they're uniquely built, and Lamar Jackson is an absolute freak show. And and Greg Roman, who is their offensive coordinator, um, I asked him. I said, "Give me ten words or less to describe your offense." And he goes, really? And he goes, wow, that's uh, I didn't expect that, right? Like a question you don't normally get. And I go, ah, you don't have to. And he goes, no, 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 I want to do this. And he said, we are an offense that is built around maximizing the unique talents of our players. I believe it was – I might be paraphrasing that a little bit. But that – so that was what he said. And I was like, wow, that's a great freaking answer, Right. Like understanding what our players can do and what they can't do, and maximizing our players, and and that's what they have done with their quarterback. and And Lamar has gotten better throwing the football, but they don't ask him to do a lot of things that he can't do, which is to me is the sign of really good coaching, right? So they're unique and. Um, and they got a chance, and and we talked about this game. I did I did Seattle Baltimore a couple of weeks ago, and um, and Baltimore ended up you know beating Seattle. Now understand it was like thirty or thirty one to thirteen, I think. Well, they did get two defensive touchdowns yep. in the second half. Yep. You know, um, it was actually they were going to kick a field goal at fourth and two, and again John Harbaugh looks at his quarterback and goes, "You want to go for it." And he's like, hell yeah, I want to go for it. He goes, all right, get back in there. Get an eight-yard touchdown to make it 20-13. to 13. And then the ensuing drive, Marcus Peters picks one off for about 65 yards for a touchdown, and then the route's on. Um, but understand that this was a really close game. And, you know, Lamar Jackson's the guy who kept them in it, um, just breaking third downs and, and making plays with his feet. And, you know, there's just a there's a big part of me that says – I'll believe it when I say I won't be surprised if Baltimore wins this game, Mike. I won't be surprised at all. Um, but you know, I'm uh, what, what? What do they say? I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. Yeah, you're going to show me. You got to beat New England. All right, I'm going to uh, leave you now and uh, try try not to go out and say anything that's you know going to make you a, a national headline. Okay. I know my wife was like, as soon as all that came out, and she's like, 
And my kids were like, ooh, dad just blew up John Elway. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. Because yeah. I knew my wife wasn't watching it. She's like, honey, you're not going to make me move out of Denver. <laughs> like, are we going to have to move? She's like, are we going to have to move? Are we going to move? I'm like, no, we're not. I was honest. Yeah. People appreciate honesty. Oh. You know. Professional sports teams don't have rabbit ears, do they? Um. <laughs> on that note yes on that note hey for everybody involved with the Sick of Truth podcast for myself for Mike for Scott we appreciate you guys we'll be back with you uh, later on the week